Welcome to UCYP, where we have uphill conversations with young professionals. Real conversations with bright, forward-thinking YPs. You know, every generation is different than those who've come before. And rather than generalities, we want to hear unique, individual perspectives of the generation that's currently on the rise. We want to elevate the voices, talent, and contributions of YPs in order to build a bridge to connect the past, present, and future generations, helping them to be heard, to be understood, and ultimately, to see them lead. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to UCYP our conversations with young professionals. This is episode 11. We have a great guest. Uh, his name is Chris Cloud, brought to us via um, a friend that uh, actually he is. Our guest is Megan's friend. And um, so he was really cool. Yeah, he was awesome. Um, I've known Chris probably for five or six years, and it, it's really been very fun to watch him on his journey. Uh, met him actually at a InnoVenture conference uh, and ended up connecting. He helped me to uh, get my first job actually at a uh, marketing advertising agency here in Greenville and worked together for a little bit. And then we both moved on and he took this amazing opportunity to go and live uh, and serve in Nepal for the last three years. Yeah, he's a really great guy. Um, the And, the, you know, in Nepal, most people don't realize, well, maybe they do know, but it's third world, mm -hmm. right? It's a whole different thing. And what was really cool is it made me think about my two boys. I always teach them about leadership. I teach them about life and decisions and things like that. And recently one of them um, had a, you know, had a little conflict in a situation where he was not selected to be in a leadership capacity. And, um, and you know, it really upset him. He was upset, you know. And um, what was really cool was I told him, you know, so, hey, this happened. So what is what now is made possible from this? And so I walked him through like, okay, so the person that selected the leaders, do you know who they are? He said, yes. I said, do you have a connection with this person in a relationship? He said, yes, and he does. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay. I said, do you have their number? Because this is a guy that works with these young people. And he said, well, yeah, I do. And I said, okay. So knowing all of those things, what do you think you can now do? And it was interesting. He's like, well, I guess I could text him and ask if he can talk. And I was like, or you could say, yeah, text and talk. Or you could just call him <laughs> yeah, and ask him the same question. Right. And I said, okay, so then what? What would you talk about? He goes, well, I guess I would tell him how I was feeling. And that I want to be in leadership. And, and I said, what else? Because it's never the first answer. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, and what it's going to take? And what do I need to do? And I said, but what if he says, why do you want to do that? What are your answers going to be? So he gave me his answers mm -hmm. as to why he felt like it was important. And I was like, okay, see? So now look what's made possible. Through you going through this change, you get to now discover all the things that are possible mm -hmm. for you to be able to go to another level. That's kind of what I see with Chris. You know, like here's this guy 
he leaves all the convenience and comfort of everything here um, because he wasn't getting his answers. And so it was almost like like what my son went through, something that was very important to him he wasn't getting, and it had nothing but disappointment. So he needed to go to another level with who he is in order to discover what is available for him. So even if he never gets selected in that situation, at least now he's going to realize that I'm the one that actually has in me what I need to step out into this world and 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 know that I can engage, I can pursue, I can do, you know, so many things if I will just leave the comfort and convenience of my here and now. You know what I mean? And that's kind of in this episode where people will hear what he talks about, mm-hmm. but that really was it for me. Yeah. And he just has a great story. I think he has a wonderful presence about him and just really an amazing servant heart. So I feel honored to know him uh, and to be able to share his voice with you, all of our listeners, and with you, Tim. Uh, So before we get to that, uh, please remember uh, to go to iTunes and Stitcher, rate and review the show. Be sure to share it with your friends. Uh, We always want to uh, reach out to new listeners And you can also connect with us on Twitter at the UCYP. You can find us on Facebook. We have a group that we would love for you to join and get involved in the conversation. And you can always find us on our website, ucyp.co. And even beyond that, please make sure that you check back in and listen to our next episode. We should have some great stuff about a workshop we're planning to put on here in Greenville that we'll be able to share with you. Uh, So stay tuned for that and connect with us on those social media channels so you can um, get more information. So without any further delay, let's jump into this awesome conversation with Chris Cloud. Welcome to the show, Chris Cloud. We are so glad to have you here, and uh, I'm glad to have you back in the States. Um, So I would love it if you could just tell our listeners a little bit about who you are um, and maybe a little bit about your journey over these past few years. Yeah, so great to be here. Thanks for for having me. I haven't seen you in a couple years, so it's really good to see you again and, and meet you, Tim. And so, yeah, my journey over the last few years has been an interesting journey. Uh, I know, you know, you, Megan, you, we worked together at the company here in town, Worthwhile, mm-hmm. um, for a number of years and was in the tech, kind of tech arena with that um, in business development. And always a part of my past had been um, a little country called Nepal. Uh, so I was born in Nepal and kind of raised there half my childhood. So I had this, you know, past experience with this place that had always kind of been present in my mind. Um, But I never, most of my life, I'd never desired to go back. It was just, you know, part of my past. Mm -hmm. And my parents wanted to go back. My brother wanted to go back and live. My sister wanted to go back and live. In fact, they did. My entire family went back at, at a certain point and lived in Nepal and worked there. But for me, it was like, okay, third world country, why would I want to go there? You know, why would I want to live there? Mm-hmm. Fun place to visit, but why, do, why would I ever want to live there? So then something kind of shifted probably in my mid-20s, and I started um, 
thinking about going back and say, you know, maybe I should, but I don't know what I do, you know, and, and I'd like to help, you know, but I, I, I don't know how I could. And so, uh, so kind of fast forward, been kind of thinking about it, praying about it for a number of years. And then I was, you know, still single mm-hmm. and there opened kind of a, a window where I said, look, I can think about it and I can talk about it, but I just need to go for a while, spend some time there and just see what I can do. Um, you know, I've been working in the business community and I have a business background. Maybe I can apply some of that stuff. Then I've also been a mentor um, in, in in town with, with uh, some of the urban youth with bike clubs through Momentum Bike Clubs. And so had seen that really doing some really cool things. And so I thought, well, maybe there's a model like that that could work over there. Maybe not with bike clubs, but maybe something else. So I just went with basically a blank slate. Just went on my savings <laughs> and resigned from this, you know, great company, and uh, and just just headed over. And so that was three and a half years ago, about. Mm-hmm. And so now uh, that's been kind of the journey that I've been on the last last three years. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that uh, in a very succinct way, because I'm sure there's (laughs) There's a a lot more to it. I'm sure there's a lot, a lot more to that. So, I mean, I I sit here as someone who uh, who's known you and knew you uh, during that time when Mm. you were making this decision to Mm -hmm. uh, basically sell everything and move somewhere where you didn't really know anyone. Maybe you had a few connections. Yeah. And. And I mean, you were in your 30s at that time. Yep. So that's not something many people would do. And so I think mm-hmm. that that takes a lot of bravery. Mm. Uh, did you consider yourself brave at the time? How did how were you looking as kind of you looking at the outside in? Yeah. Um, how did how did you view yourself making that change? Yeah, for me, it was, you know, how people that study weather patterns over years and years and years kind of realize that. Typically, weather doesn't change very much, except for a few cataclysmic changes, mm-hmm. right? A major hurricane, uh, a, a volcano eruption, but those usually aren't every day. Those are usually, you know, once in a hundred year type, once in two hundred years, once in three hundred year type events. And I think our lives are kind of similar to that, <laughs> where we have events that are more cataclysmic, but most of our days are pretty much similar to the to the last day. And I think that was just a year for me where there were just some events that collided where it didn't feel like a brave thing or a risky thing or a questionable thing for me at all. One was my uh, condo burned down. And so I lost most of my stuff. Mm-hmm. My books mainly was the, was the thing I was sad about. And then I went to Israel and kind of had an encounter with a guy called the Jesus Man, the Jesus guy. At, at the Stations of the Cross, and he's a guy who's walked around the world bare feet and takes no money, only has a blanket that he carries with him, and he's done that for 25 years. And he's walked across America probably 20 times, and he's walked many countries. And I was just like, okay, are you, are you taken care of? Like, are you okay? You know? Like, have you ever starved? Yeah. You know? And he said, there's a documentary about this guy, by the way. I just happened to happen to upon him um, in, in, in Israel, you know, at 1030 at night in the, in the old, old city of Jerusalem. And he looked at me and said, no, I've never, I've been fine. You know, I'll take food. People always give me something. I always have somewhere to sleep. I'm fine. And so 
kind of losing my stuff and then hearing this guy and then, you know, witnessed a really horrific car accident actually about that same time where um, we were a part of my running group early in the morning, witnessed a two, two young boys killed in, a, in an accident and were part of trying to rescue them out of that. And then one of them survived and they were 15, 16, and 17 years old. And so just those events colliding was like, okay, most of what we think is most important in life really isn't what as important as we think it is. So for me, it was kind of like, yeah, this is, this is no risk. (laughs) This is, you know, I know Nepal, I've been there. It's not as foreign to me as to some people. And, uh, and I, you know, know a few people there and I think I'll get plugged in. And, and for me, it was just an adventure (laughs) more than it was, you know, I felt like a big risk or a big, um, you know, audacious thing. Well, what's interesting is most human beings as people, right. We're into safety and survival. Exactly. So, you know, what I'm hearing you say, what I love is that you had to, you spent some time thinking about that because you're going against the instinct part of being a human. Right. You know, where mm. even asking that gentleman, are you okay? You know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, you starved. <laughs> like, he's like, no, I am. But also, so it was that. It was, you know, seeing other things. I'm sure there were more. Like that accident, obviously, that was very impactful. Mm-hmm. Um, that's stuff that's going to mark you for the rest of your life, yep. right? You can't unsee that. Yep. And, but then you also had some information based on Nepal as well. Yep. So what I like is, is that you spent time thinking through the collection of information, understanding it doesn't remove all risk, Right. But it was one that you said, I can, you know, you're not even trying to mitigate risk. You're trying to calculate them. Mm-hmm. So, but you're mm-hmm. also using historical information with that. Mm-hmm. Even though, even though the man said, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, no, I'm good. Even though what you went through with your partnership, even though these guys, your friends, when you're in this run and this accident happens and one person survives, you know, that's tragic. But then you're yeah. taking also the information of your brotherhood or whoever was with you to work together to try to save someone's life. Mm. Like, I feel like Mm. that's information Mm. on a subconscious level that helps to make those moves. So when you think about it, as Mm. we're kind of bringing this up, you know, what things do you feel came from that was not in your awareness? Do Mm. you feel in that transition, Mm -hmm. what things may have been tucked down inside of you Mm -hmm. as a young man making a big move where most people have a hard time moving down the street? I mean, we're going to be honest, you know, because there's so many things that keep us and hold us, right? Safety, Mm -hmm. concerns, worry, fear. Mm -hmm. What things popped up into your awareness? What things did you discover that possibly were great life learning things for yourself in the process of going over there in the time that you were there? For sure. Well, I think one of them is just that, that... You know, the analogy I heard was that we're life is a, a juggling act. <laughs> so we're constantly juggling these balls up in the air. And some of those balls are, are, are rubber. Some of them are glass. Mm. So the rubber balls are, are things that we'll, we can drop and they'll bounce back. Huh. But the glass balls are the things that we drop and they won't. They shatter and they're hard to put the pieces back together. And so it, oftentimes the things we think are glass balls are not. So the glass balls are things like you know, relationships. Um, you know, if you shatter a relationship, it's hard to put it back together, like um, with your family or your, you know, people that you are in your community and things like that. 
rubber balls are things like our job, you know, um, our hobby, just things that we can, if, you know, for, we can put them down for three years and then we can pick them back up again. Right. They're not going to shatter necessarily, right? doesn't mean we don't think about them and are thoughtful and intentional about them, but it just means they're probably not going to shatter like we think they are. And so that was really helpful for me just to think about what are glass balls in my life? What are things I don't want to just, you know, that aren't going to bounce back? And then what are things that I think are glass balls, but they're really rubber balls and they're going to come back? And so that was really helpful because, you know, the job stuff and everything. I had a great job and loved my work and loved the people that I worked with. Um, You know, still friends with with those guys and they were supportive in this whole transition, thankfully. But to me, it was something that, you know, that could bounce back and it wasn't. Um, as as crucial or, you know, something that I had to focus on as much. Um, and I could say, okay, look, I can go do something for a while, and then, you know, we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. And it was helpful for me, too. I worked with a coach because I, you know, have a friend who does coaching, and I said, hey, would you coach me through this process? Because I don't want to be over there alone. <laughs> like, you know, just kind of dangling, and, you know, maybe I don't find something, and then... Maybe I'm just kind of lost over there. And so I actually had her, asked her to meet with me weekly and then come up with a plan with contingencies to where I kind of had set, set my own timelines for certain things. And if I had, didn't reach certain goals by certain timelines, then I knew I was going to run out of my savings and I was going to probably you know, need to come back. And, uh, and so that was helpful too. And so she was able to kind of work with me on and just more in t- being more intentional about, okay, where are my strengths? Where are my weaknesses? Just fo- trying to focus on those strengths. And I think I learned a lot about that in the process, too. Uh, and then the other thing that was huge for me was just that band of brothers that I told you about that I was running with in the morning. Right. That's a group, that's kind of a cataclysmic event, too, in, this, in all of this that I think really enabled me to go, was I joined a group called F3. Okay. I don't know if you've heard of those guys in town. Mm. So this is a really crazy organization that was started out of Charlotte um, by an ex special forces guy and a and a you know a, somebody who went to a, a Ivy League school up north and a lawyer and these guys basically um, what it is it's 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 an a fitness fellowship and faith three hmm. F's so it stands for fitness fellowship and faith and the organization exist to reinvigorate male leadership in the community. Now they have a female side too. It's called FIA. But the but the F three part is 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 the male part, right? So essentially what they do is they get together for workouts at about five fifteen AM every morning and in the park. And you won't see these guys because nobody's you know nobody's out at that mm-hmm. time. But right. like just doing boot camp style workouts. And then they'll, they'll, you know, get together for coffee afterwards. And then out of that comes all kinds of things to just develop organically out of the community. So it's just guys getting together, doing hard stuff, and then supporting each other in their endeavors, um, whatever those may be. So it, that just rocked my world pretty much. Number one, getting fit again <laughs> was a yeah. huge deal for me, just having the kind of energy and kind of presence um, that 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 I wanted. And then that's when I took off on long distance running and ultra running, just kind of springboarded me into that because some of the guys are doing run groups and stuff. And so actually one of the things I was able to do in Nepal was start the first F3 group outside of 
the U.S. That's awesome. Um, which was really cool. And they were so supportive in the whole process. Just couldn't have, I mean, just probably, I mean, more than any of like, my friends were awesome, right? But just the kind level of support that they were able to give, not, not financially necessarily, but just moral support. And, hey, have you tried this? Have you thought about this? Or, man, you guys are killing it over there. And just encouraging the other Nepali guys that were joining into F3. Um, that was huge. That was a really big deal. So I I really just enjoyed sort of hearing a little bit about your journey because I think some of those things hap- have happened before, in between, in the midst of right. um, you making this move. And I'm, I do have one question I'm curious about, but but before I get to that, you talked about the glass balls and the rubber balls right. that you're constantly <laughs> juggling. Did, have you ever had a time where you thought something was glass and it ended up being rubber or you thought something was rubber and it ended up being glass? That's a great question. Yeah. Maybe to my detriment, I haven't treated my career as a glass ball. You know, maybe I'd be further ahead if I had. Mm. But I'm glad that I haven't. Mm-hmm. Because I kind of knew, you know, early on when I, I was getting promoted and I'd been with this company for five years in my first professional job, and I decided to leave that for a little startup that was really risky, and then the economy crashed. You yeah. Know. Um, but I never regretted the, the, that. You know, I'm sure that if I were still with that company, like, it would have gone really well for me because I was getting promoted and I had tons of opportunity, thankfully, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but... I think life's too short to treat that as the biggest glass ball, you know, for, for me, for kind of what, where I've been. And what's funny is that that ball's bounced back pretty quick (laughs) since I've got back to the States and kind of been working again. It hasn't been an issue in terms of money or finances with, you know, jobs. Yeah. And I, I, I'll completely agree with that. I'm, you know, I've made some pretty, uh, significant transitions in my career just based on um, things that were in alignment with me or just wanting to try something mm-hmm. different and really explore uh, what I feel like is in my heart versus just what we were talking about in our pre-chat before this, but what am I capable of, but what is my strength? And I think that it's really important that um, that we're always kind of continuously working on ourselves and figuring out exactly where we want to be and what is our strength. And Mm -hmm. I think that it can feel very risky, uh, but I know that especially in the way that companies are now, it, it it's a little bit more of an expectation that people do change and move, but I think that that's probably just added to your perspective Mm -hmm. and your value with where you are at now. so I, I do want to find out a little bit more about what you're doing now. But before that, what surprised you the most about yourself mm. while you were in the midst of your journey going from here to Nepal and back again? Mm. So when I was there, I got to do so many cool things. Like just if you're going with an open heart and open mind to serve, it's amazing what opens up mm-hmm. <laughs> before you. So... I got to lead a, a group that was um, helping with urban refugees that were fleeing crisis mm-hmm. and coming to Nepal. And that was incredible. The, the things, the stories, the, what we were able to see accomplished. Um, but I think 
what I learned the most and probably wouldn't have as much if I hadn't taken the, the journey was uh, that I didn't think of myself. See, in Nepal, there are a lot of these organizations that are started by people that have big hearts, right? They want to make a difference and they're doing like business, um, to ch- but for good, right? And so there's this actually this business network, Business for Good Network um, in Nepal, and I was able to plug into that because I have a business background. It's basically in a corrupt country, business is oftentimes the opposite of good. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's an abuser of, you know, it's yep. taking advantage of people. Um, it is trotting on the right. It's keeping people down instead of, you know, building them up. It's um, corruption with the government, bribery, and all this kind of stuff. And so just a group of business owners getting together saying, we're not going to do that. We're going to keep the law. We're going to pay our taxes. We're going to hire pe- great people, and then we're going to build them up is a big deal. <laughs> we take that for granted here because we do see that more. Thankfully, we're in a place right. that, that elevates that. Not that it's always that way here, but uh, but so with that, I, the long story to answer your question is um, a lot of the folks were light on business experience but heavy on heart. And so just because I had a little bit of business experience, that was able to come in and help them with their strategic planning. And, um, and, just, and, and they, they ended up saying it was some of the most valuable stuff. And in fact, it just saved one organization from going out of business um, that ended up staying in business because of that month-long planning process that we went through with them. And I say that to say, I, I think I didn't, I didn't realize that I was... I didn't think of myself as a strategic thinker as much or a planner with business. And I just because they gave me that opportunity to do it because they needed it and they welcomed it and they and, and, and it was valuable, showed me, okay, actually, this is an area that I think I can, you know, I can work in. And this is probably more in an area I need to focus on. That's really good that, um, it, isn't it amazing? Like, so there's so much that's yet to be in. Under, you know, to be discovered within ourselves, right. that's undiscovered. There's a great song I love by James Morrison. It's like, I'm not lost, I'm just undiscovered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's, yep. it's just a really good it's song. So true. And it's, but right. And it's interesting because, in a way, when you go, even though you know why you're going, like, so you left here, you went to Nepal, you went back, right? Right. So, in a way, you still feel somewhat lost. Yep. But then the undiscovered part of you has the opportunity. So, you know, I'm looking at that and I'm saying, wow, you know, it, it appears to me and it seems in just hearing this story, you know, putting ourselves in those unique spots and situations in opportunities like that. Right. You know, you know, as, as much as you said, like we take it for granted here that people work hard, they're going to pay their taxes. They don't want to be in corruption. I mean, we see it and it seems like that's all the news wants to talk about. Yeah. But gosh, by and large, it's not nowhere near. They have no idea when you go to a third world country. Yeah. It's a whole nother world, right? Mm-hmm. It's a different animal. And so what's interesting is what you possess that's undiscovered in you, you know, like what what is your thought realizing that, wow, what what's in me that I didn't realize had position, place, or prominence or mm-hmm. value to anyone else? Mm-hmm. Because there were you were working in the States with people that already had they were doing that's it. That's right. They were doing that. But until you were allowed to because that was your lid, believe it or not, yep. that was the lid on you. Yep. But by taking and putting yourself in a risk where you didn't know it was needed, 
a demand shows up. Yeah. It's a demand with an opportunity. That's right. Right? So the opportunity is them. The demand is you putting it on yourself in order to bring it forth. Yeah. Like, you know, I look at that and I just mm-hmm. go, wow, that's pretty cool. Um, how many other little surprises like that did you have? Yeah. And, and when you were there just realizing like, wow, I didn't realize the limitation wasn't the fact that, it, you know, it wasn't just that I wasn't aware of it. You yeah. Know, it wasn't just unawareness or undiscovered. It was more so I this doing this and taking this trip actually helped me to discover the undiscovered stuff. You know what I mean? To bring those things up and out that I was able to bring back now, because I, I guarantee you, you're operating differently. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not just by the experience, but by the revelation that you've gotten from like, wow, I can do that too. Like, yep. you know what I mean? It's like when you're digging, when I was a kid, we used to dig in the cereal box. Yeah. <laughs> we try to get the prize out of there. <laughs> I think you put it the very well. I think you hit it. On the head. Yeah, because I, I just, I was limited by a lid here because other people are doing it and I didn't mm-hmm. have the need to step in. And I just thought, well, this is the way I'm wired and this is kind of the role I can best play. And when the lid wasn't there anymore and the need was there and it was like, well, I can do this, you know, I can try to do it's it. It's like activation. Bam. And it was like, <laughs> it was an area where I could fail and not, there wasn't this huge, you know, it was in this multi-million dollar contract yeah. and all this pressure. It was like people right. that needed help. They were great businesses, you know. And and I think there was a lot of that. One of them, one of the things I started doing was just writing because before I just didn't take the time. Mm. So I just realized that I enjoy writing. And I don't know if I'm good at it, but I enjoy it. And so I just write, you know, for myself. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, more I would I would just have extended, you know, time I just set aside in the day just to write. That was one of the things I just didn't do here much of. Isn't and that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. It really is. Um, well, the, the interesting thing that, you know, that, that happened was, uh, you know, I left single and, you know, kind of, you know, no, no, you know, unhinged, right? Uh, you know, un- yeah. and, and, and then um, actually ended up, you know, dating and marrying my wife while I was there. And so, so I came back, and we have a we have a now I have a wife and a little boy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so awesome. three years later, so there's quite some change uh, that's that's and transpired. And I think that was that was huge um, that happened. You know, in top, terms of something to shape you and yeah. change you, you, grow you in certain ways. Uh, just becoming, you know, husband and father has really been. And even radical. that openness, like once again, you left with a. With an idea yeah. of life, relationship, work, all these things. You yeah. go over there. Here you are now writing. Here you are with no lid on you. So you see opportunity and yeah. you're just serving people with a mindset of service. Yeah. But then also it's interesting probably what it did for your for your openness to receive, um, you know, a, maybe a whole new understanding of what it means to love someone. Yeah. Yeah. And it's I think one of the. One of the biggest things that changed was just, uh, you know, I think be- America has this abundance problem, right? Yeah. So we have so many options, so much opportunity that one of my one of the, you know, when you have that, uh, deciding what to do and who to marry, yeah, it'd be a major issue, right? Yeah. It's a it's a it's a problem of abundance. So I would you know oftentimes you know second guess things. And just be indecisive about okay, where, where should I work? You know, where should I go to church? Who, you know, who do I date? <laughs> There's church everywhere. There's churches on Girls every corner. Everywhere. Girls, yeah. I mean, it's just. I think it's for for the millennials. You know, I consider yeah. myself yeah. a millennial, millennial barely, but it's a problem. Yeah, it really is for for my friends. It's a major issue. Mm-hmm. 
And I think one of the things with the invigoration of male leadership in the community, F3, mm. really impacted me, the, watching these guys and talking about those glass balls and the, and the, the rubber balls, right? And saying, no, you know, making decisions and not backing down on those decisions and just learning how to be, be decisive, not for the sake of being decisive, right. but to, to not waffle right. between things. I think it was one of the biggest things that really came out in me. In fact, it's actually funny because I t- recently, t- eight years ago, I had had an interview at a company um, here in town and they uh, gave me an assessment. And one of the things that they, I'm forever interested in assessments, right? Yeah. And so they had given me an assessment and, uh, and then recently um, retook that same assessment to a friend here in town that, that owns a business. And, uh, was looking at joining on with their team. And so they, they gave me, uh, they weren't going to give me the assessment, but I said, I'd love to retake it to see mm-hmm. how I test. So one of the things that it tests for is um, decisiveness and uh, your aptitude towards, towards calling other people to make decisions. Mm-hmm. And he said it was so funny because eight years ago, I was like an 18% on that. Mm-hmm. And he said, I tested again. And I was just, you, you can't game the test because right. they test for that. Um, and I, I was just answering, you know, honestly. And I was in the 97th percentile on that particular category. Wow. And I said, yeah, I know. I can see it in my life. You know, not being, not being afraid to make decisions and make commitments. Mm-hmm. I think with the millennials, it's a major issue for us. Yeah. I see that a lot even, you know, in, in, in business. Millennials waffle with decisions. We struggle with commitment. And then rather not to make it, what they'll say is, well, I'm not going to make a decision. Well, no decision is still a decision, number one. That's right. And then yeah. also they'll say, well, this is too much, so I'm going to go over here. And that's still a decision. That's still a decision. You're, you're deciding to abandon something instead of put yourself through the tough stuff. That's make right. Make a decision and own it. That's mm-hmm. the only way you're going to learn. Remember, our goal is to collect evidence for our lives. Yeah. You know, theory of living is great. Evidence is better. So right. collect as much of it as possible. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So yep. in theory, if I do, you know, that's what, you know, going to Nepal was. So in theory, this is how it should work. Yes. But when you went there, you collected evidence and say, now this is what turned out. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So you do your best on the front end. But man, we, we got to stop trying to predict tomorrow. And what we got to do is live today to move into tomorrow and exactly. set ourselves up for the best opportunity. Yeah. You know, what's in your bag? Totally. You know, not just what's in your wallet, but what's in your bag. Mm-hmm. You know, what are you mm-hmm. carrying in that backpack? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, kind of going down that path with just talking about some of the things that that we see, you know, the maybe the indecision or there's too many decisions. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what What's one piece of advice you would give either to your younger self mm-hmm. or just to other young professionals, be it millennials or Generation Z or just mm-hmm. people who are kind of coming up and finding their way in the world? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that... That uh, no nobody ever built anything with you know who was afraid to make decisions and stick with those. Yep. And a decision today doesn't mean that you're locked in forever. You know, a decision to buy a house, a decision. To, most of these decisions, you can. There are a million different ways they can go mm-hmm. in the future. Um, 
But, I love that though. It's not you're not locked in. Yeah, you're not locked in. Because man, you feel like because if you think about it, that's how most people think about it. Like right, you know, it's like I'm married, ball and chain. Yeah, like, people say that. You know what <laughs> I mean? Or I have kids now, can't do anything. Yeah, like are you locked in? Right. Like I, I love that. I mean, you don't want to abandon your children, right? But, but a house, you can move. Exactly, yeah. you can move. I love that. I mean, yeah. it's a. I mean, I'm a visual person, but I love that you're not locked in. I guess yeah. I never thought of it that way. And I think the other thing is like, so so. So, you know, Dan Rundle at Worthwhile is a dear friend, and um, he's the CEO of, mm-hmm. of Worthwhile. And he, when I came on, he said, look, you know, I'm, you're going to be in business development. Um, only decision makers can call other people to make a decision. So if you're going to close business, you need to be a decision maker yeah? wow. in your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that really gave me the permission to begin practicing that in the professional realm. And I think that was the beginning of kind of unlocking a lot of that. Where, uh, so so the, it's an art and, an, and a science, right? I think, you know, and it doesn't mean we're going to make bad decisions, but I think what it means is we're going to learn from those. And there's no really no, you know, if, you, if there's really no failure in that. Like, as long as you're not just sitting forever in limbo, like, n- no is okay. Yeah. You know, like, no, I'm not going to do that. It's a complete answer. Yeah, it's a complete answer. <laughs> we're, we're not going to do that. And then we move forward. And then you have yeah. to be the mind space and the, and you can clear that up rather than maybe and well and I don't know. <laughs> and yeah, that kind of yeah. thing, right, which which I still struggle with, but has, has helped. I, the other thing that's helped is like, you know, the 80-20 rule. Yeah. Like most of what you're going to know, you're going to know pretty quick. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and that very little bit of extra, you know, is going to take you a lot of time and energy to get. Pretty most decisions you can pretty well make on eighty percent of the information, and to get that other twenty percent would be so hard and would take so long. And so, knowing that you don't have to know everything for most decisions is also kind of freeing, um, you know. And so, and then studying people who are great decision makers, I think that's that's been really helpful. Studying people that who who make good life choices, mm-hmm. like have they made, you know. Like Alan, one of my mentors, Alan Bunn, he's just made good life choices. Well, so I have one more question uh-huh. um, and then we'll kind of wrap up. But what encouragement would you offer to other people, um, YPs, it could be even someone older, who's thinking about making a big change in their mm-hmm. lives or their career? Mm-hmm. So like a career change? Just any sort of significant change. I mean, someone who's contemplating, I mean, you, I mean, just what encouragement would you give to somebody who's thinking about making a big shift? Yeah, I would say career can really be handcuffs that don't need to be handcuffs, Mm -hmm. you know, for a lot of people. And I would say if just encourage people not to make money, the greatest priority that a lot of times there are so much more to be gained we die rich, we still die, right? Mm-hmm. So looking at the end of life and then backing into what, where we want to end up. Like a lot of times we just fall into this career mode, went to a great school, got the degree, now I'm in this banking world, you know, I don't love it, but, you know, I'm making a lot of money and I can afford my house. And then 40 years later, people are like, what happened? So I would just say ne- the, the time for thinking about that's now, not 40 years later. Mm-hmm. You know, and so for young professionals, you have still have the time. A lot of these people look back with regret. A lot of these people that made a lot of money, and I've talked to a lot of them, mm-hmm. and they say, what was it for? You know, there's nothing wrong with money, but 
just thinking about it instead of just falling into it because that's what everybody else did or that's what you think you're supposed to do. And it's not as risky as you think Mm -hmm. to step away and to pursue other opportunities or things that you may be more interested in and you may learn and grow in ways you'd never even imagine if you hadn't done that. Yeah, I think heart and life wealth is much greater than bank wealth. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, no one sits there and goes, gosh, when they're about to die, I wish I had more money. Exactly. The first thing they're going to think about is who did I not spend time with? What yep. did I do with these last years? I can't believe I missed this. Yep. But that's what you're going to flash. Yep. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And also, whatever you leave for someone else, <laughs> most of it's going to be taken anyways. Yeah. <laughs> you right. Know what I mean, you know, it's like, yeah. I think it's good that we want to set people up. But I, I mean, you're you're right. It's the riches of life. Yep. Like, where is that at? Where is your wealth? Where is that well-being in there? Because mm-hmm. you can lose money and you can get money. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, it's it's easier to get money yes. after you've lost it than it is to have good relationship. Exactly. Yep. It'll bounce back. It, it sure the money yeah, will bounce back. There you go. And thinking about, you know, the difference between vocation, I think vocation is your calling. Right. Mm-hmm. Why am I on this earth? You know? And then job. Mm-hmm. And differentiating between the two. Your vocation should follow you everywhere, no matter what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're serving refugees Doesn't in matter. Haiti or you're, you know, working in, you know, Wall Street, your vocation can be your vocation. And I think that's what the most, the thing that I would encourage young professionals was to figure out your vocation. The job, you know, that's great, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's awesome. We don't want to be irresponsible. We want to work. Work is good. But uh, if you can figure out your calling, yep. the job thing will become a lot more clear and how you even go about your job will become more clear. And Chris, that just made me think of, I remember uh, before you transitioned and, and went to Nepal, uh, you recommended a book to me, uh, How Will You Measure Your Life? Yeah. And um, I read that. It, it's a great book. And I think... Mm. Um, I would recommend that for young professionals because it does, it does make you think a little bit differently uh, about the choices that, that you're making. Um, So just really have enjoyed having you. Thank you so much for uh, spending time with us. We will make sure that we include uh, your information so people can connect with you uh, after the show if they want to get to know you better. Awesome. Um, So once again, you have been listening to UCYP Uphill Conversation for young professionals. Uh, Please go out and follow us on Facebook. Uh, We have a group that you can join on Twitter at the UCYP. Um, And remember, we really, really want to help elevate the voices of young professionals. We're always looking to build a bridge between generations. And most of all, we want to inspire you to lead. Mm